0: to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, and we have a new intro, and I'm (laughs) stoked about it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a nice little compilation that uh, Pauline put together. Those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while uh, have definitely seen her around before. Um, And yeah, she and Max, who uh, does photos for us. Um, have kind of compiled some clips from different sports over the last year. Or so thought that that was, that was pretty cool. Um, let's start with basketball because we are in the midst of basketball season. Uh, but a little teaser um, after we talk basketball uh, we, or Alan, got to meet with all of the transfers. Um, all, what? I think it's 21 was the number, including yeah. the,
1: the preferred walk-ons. Or Davis Bevel, I okay, guess yeah. he's the only one. But
0: um, and we have some exclusive interview clips uh, with each of those that we can discuss. And then um, later for subscribers on Gamecocksgroup.com, uh, you can view all 55 minutes of interviews or you can listen to all 55 minutes of interviews. Uh, if you're a junkie like that, uh, we'll have a private link for our subscribers later on Gamecocksgroup.com. Anyway, basketball. Um, 42 I, uh, and 3
1: is what we're <laughs> up to now. for the yeah, wide I heard
0: I heard things are going pretty well. Um, finally, South Carolina gets a ranking, um, the men. Uh, so they they come in at 15th yep. um, this past Monday after wins over Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, and then also Georgia, Ole Miss, Missouri. Uh, to- Six in a row now. You can just name almost yeah. half the conference at this point. Yeah, yeah to, th- to throw that all in there. Um, really impressive win on the road at Georgia since we last spoke. Um, that was a come from behind win. Obviously, Georgia beat you at home earlier in the season, so nice to kind of get that uh monkey off your back. And and I'm a 10 point win that really felt like it wasn't even that close, really, by the end of the game. I felt like it was a pretty dominant performance in the second half for South Carolina.
1: Yeah, you got down 10 early in that game. Georgia was shooting the lights out the first 10 12 minutes. I think they were like seven for 10 on threes to start the game, and it's you know, okay. Stay in the game long enough for the shooting to cool off, like, because it's going to eventually, but you can't be down 30 when it happens. So take the punch, stay in the game long enough for it to even out. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, we saw the 1 3 1 zone make a return. That was a, kind of a staple last year when this team had less talent on defense. They haven't really used it this year, but Lamont kind of busted that out against in Athens, trying to break up the shooting a little bit. It worked really well. Um, I think you got the athletes to kind of make that happen more this year. Uh, Zach Davis still at the head of that, but Colin Murray Boyles, B.J. Mack kind of patrolling there. Mack in the back, obviously, as kind of the second one in that one-three-one. Um, I thought that worked really well. It's kind of the nice weapon you have. Um, and then, which has kind of kind of my theme with his team, is you win different kind of games. You turn around three days later against a pretty good old Miss team, and you find a way to get that one done. But... Um, bit of a hairy second half. You had a 17 point lead, go down to three, but you made a couple plays late.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe the two teams combined for like four points in the last seven minutes, something like it, that. It was not,
1: uh, it's probably not what James Naismith had in mind when he put up that peach basket though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I read a stat where it was like, they were seven points away from the over with seven minutes left and didn't hit <laughs> in it. Didn't cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, yeah, if you're, if you're a degenerate, um, that uh, probably was a bad time if you picked the over because you probably were feeling pretty good about it um, there um, with <laughs> with half the second half to go. Can we talk about um, the block hurt around the world? The, the block hurt around the world. Yeah, so that's actually where I was going to go with it um, for both games, really, as we continue to see Colin Murray Boyles emerge as a key uh, X factor on this team. Um, obviously you were winning games, uh, without him as he kind of got up to speed and, and, uh, now I think he's near probably that hundred percent mark. Although, uh, if we think back to, to off season, they actually said that he was, uh, pulling up and shooting a little bit more than he is even still right now. But nonetheless, he's making a huge impact felt, uh, and the one that you're referring to, of course, is a, blo- a block on a seven foot three, five. <laughs> uh, seven foot five, uh, Ole Miss, um, Playing sharp, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. That had a opportunity to tie the game, or was it tie the game? Tie or cut um, it to one. I think they might have been down yeah. three, but either in way, the, he up for a in layup, the Final minute, Murray right? just like it, it more or less ended the game. Uh, and obviously, Colin Murray Boys is uh tall, he's like what, six, seven, six, eight, but uh, he's, he's not, he's not, <laughs> he's not seven five. So, um, that was that was pretty crazy to see. If you haven't seen it already, it's posted all over. Gamecock basketball, social media and stuff. But, um, yeah, what's your take, I guess, on on Connor Murray Boyles, true freshman, um, and how he's kind of solidified his role uh, through a little over halfway through the SEC schedule at this point? I – maybe this qualifies as a hot take. Maybe it doesn't. I
1: think he might – he has the highest ceiling of anyone on the roster, which sounds a little weird. All right, you're looking at a guy like, you know, established veterans, BJ Mack. Uh, you know what Talon Cooper can do. He's one of the best passers in the country. Meachie Johnson goes without saying. You watch Colin Murray Boyles, what he does on both ends, his basketball IQ. Like that block, it's a it's a, a freakish physical play. But also, he steps out on a rotation immediately. Gray loses a cover. Max slides into Gray spot. C&B has a presence of mind to get over to Max spot quickly, make the block. The basketball IQ, the physicality inside, um, the awareness of everything. I I like you said if if he starts pulling up and shooting, like I think that's an NBA player. Like I really not now, maybe not as a true freshman now, but like I think it is, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, um maybe doesn't quite have every aspect of his game polished yet, but I like you said, I think this the sky's the limit as far as the ceiling goes. Um and Luckily, you probably have him for another couple of years as I he develops. Yeah, I thought
1: Lamont – I can't remember which game it was after now. It was one of the home games. Um, Maybe the, actually the one they lost to Georgia or maybe Missouri. Anyway, Lamont called, I think, Colin Murray Boyles, like what an SEC athlete's supposed to look like. Like he said before he got to the SEC when he was at Chattanooga, Wisconsin, he imagined SEC athletes. He pictured people like Colin Murray Boyles, and I can't argue with that.
0: Yeah, I think really when we look at this team now that – we're, you know, to the point that we are in the season. Um, some personalities have started to really uh, solidify. Um, and like you said, I think it's kind of a really balanced team, right? You think back to a Miles Studi um, having the swagger and confidence to finish off the game in Knoxville. You think of um, Colin Murray Boyles, who you just mentioned, with the the IQ to kind of close things out. Uh, against all miss, the IQ and the, the physical gifts. I don't know if there's anyone else on the on the team. No, no one else is lucky to to that ball. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you have Talon Cooper who has been clutch various times throughout this stretch. Um, Michi Johnson maybe has taken a little bit more of a backseat than he was earlier in the season, but he's still hitting, you know, threes at big times. Um, and assists too. He had a career-high assist on Tuesday against Ole miss, he had eight. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, in front of his dad, I think he's mm-hmm. for the first time all season as well, so that that was pretty cool as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I haven't even mentioned everyone that's been contributing through this whole stretch. Josh Gray, I think, is playing some oh, of yeah. the best yeah. ball of his career. Um, it's just, yeah, it's been a really fun team to watch. Um, you hope that they're not peaking too early and that they can keep this momentum going a month from now or whatever, but if they're playing like this, there's not a team in the country that I think would want to run into them right now.
1: I think that's kind of the way you got to look at it. Um you don't want to play them. They're tough. They're annoying defensively. They slow the game down. Maybe it's not the most attractive thing to watch, but it's still it's still tough to play against. And looking ahead a little bit, uh tomorrow you are at home against Vanderbilt. That is 6 and 16 on the season Vanderbilt. Uh 202nd and 10 Bob right now. Um you would certainly imagine that would be a cleanup home win. And then you're heading to Auburn, which is probably the toughest building in the league to play in. They're undefeated at home this year. They're 42-2 and two at home the last three years. But you're tied with them in Alabama for the league lead right now. So assuming you handle business tomorrow against the last place team, you're going to Auburn with uh, the league lead at stake.
0: Yeah, so that's actually where I wanted to go next. I mean, the the end of the season stretch is pretty brutal. Let me just rattle them off real quick. So actually – Tomorrow against Vanderbilt at home, I mean, you should win that one. There's really no, no upside to that game. Even when you win, yeah, that's a quad internet. four game. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, uh, you should win that one. But then after that, you got to go to number twelve Auburn. You have LSU. You got to go back to Ole Miss, um, who you know you narrowly escaped there. You got to go to Texas A&M. You host Florida, who's playing pretty well, and then you have to host Tennessee again, which that could be huge depending on how. Uh, the next few games uh, play out. You both have two losses in the SEC right now, so I mean you you're gonna be right on the cusp, probably with Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, and it's kind of crazy that that's that's the that you're in that cluster of teams right now, but um, you play two of those teams down the stretch, several other tough games. Is there really a chance you think for South Carolina to take home a regular season SEC title after being picked last? Uh, in the SEC preseason. Sure, there's a chance. Um I hang on I'm
1: trying to think. Like yet there's a chance because they're tied for it right now and we're more than halfway through the league schedule and we're gonna be another game through it tomorrow assuming they take care of Vanderbilt. If you had to throw a percent on it, that's kind of I think the better question. Like 20, 30 maybe like I wouldn't say it's likely. I wouldn't pick it but you're in with three other teams with two losses right now, and you're going to get a chance to play two of them. Um, you start looking at the math, and it's like you probably
0: need 14 wins to get there, have
1: a chance, are you thinking?
0: Maybe six and two in these last eight? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and it also depends on who those are, right? If you, if Auburn and Tennessee are those right yeah. picks, then, I mean, you're gaining two games on each of them. But, um, yeah, I think 20% sounds about right if you're picking them against a the field. The question is, is there any one of those other teams between Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, that you would give an higher, a higher individual chance, I guess? I um, haven't looked at all the
1: schedules for the other three. Yeah. But the fact that Auburn just doesn't lose home games kind of makes me lean to them. And We'll see what happens Wednesday night. But um, that makes me lean to them, and they're playing pretty well. I don't know if you watched Wednesday. They put 99 points on
0: Alabama, but they're playing pretty well right now. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the question, right? Can you slow them down? Obviously, you have slowed down pretty much everyone that you've played below their normal average, um, but we did see in that Alabama game, ironically enough, um, you didn't quite slow them down enough, and you are going to have to keep pace to some degree. Uh, if you yeah. can't keep pace, if you go through a cold stretch like they did uh, in the second half against Ole Miss, um, you're not gutting one out like that, I don't think. Nah.
1: And that's it's going to be a hornet's nest. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, speaking of
0: tough games, I think we're about good on the men's now. You got to say what you wanted to say? No, I mean, I believe uh, you said Auburn is like 42 out of their last two. 42-2 the last three years at home, yeah. Yeah, not 42 out of their last two. Uh, 42 and 42-2 out of their last 44 at home. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really tough game. But uh, at this point, given what has happened at this point in the season, I certainly don't think that it's uh, uh, one that you – count out south carolina that no, there's going to be a huge spotlight up. um on that game from a national media perspective and uh it should be really fun yeah looking forward to it uh
1: speaking of huge spotlight national media tough game all that stuff it is uconn week well weekend i guess for the women's team uh south carolina women are 22 and 0 now uconn is coming in here on sunday for a nationally televised game a little super bowl sunday action um always a big deal always uh Always time – you know, it's always a big game when UConn comes in. It feels a little less this year just because UConn's already got four losses, but it's still UConn. It's still the name. It's still Geno versus Dawn. Uh, You got any early thoughts on Sunday?
0: No, I mean, I think you you pretty well covered it. Like you said, um, they're on a three-game – UConn is on a three-game winning streak, but they did lose to Notre Dame uh, like a couple weeks ago. Um, This is not the – not your father's Yukon. Not your father's Yukon. Not not our Yukon. I guess if we're thinking back to our childhood or whatever, but um, we, uh, I, I I still think that there's some things to be concerned about. Obviously, uh, Camila Cardoso is playing yeah. with the Brazilian national team right now, um, and then uh, we found out yesterday that yeah, Senaya Jia Senaya uh is on a hiatus with the team. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They didn't use the word suspension, but they called it conduct detrimental to the
1: team in the official statement, like half an hour before tip last night.
0: Yeah. Not ideal. Um, So I still think probably if you're, you know, betting on this or whatever, South Carolina still got the depth and, and more the talent advantage against UConn. Um, But definitely something to watch. I mean, just changing up your lineup, changing up uh, the rotation and stuff is always a little bit weird. Um, They played, pretty well last night I thought I mean it's kind of hard to tell <laughs> uh, when the talent level is so much lower um, yeah I don't know how are you how do you feel about I guess the way that they've been rotating with Cardoso out
1: yeah I think that's kind of the main thing especially not that she was playing a ton but jaw is also a big so you're pretty much down to four bigs and really three because Sakima Walker's barely played you're pretty much just down to Chloe Kitts Ashlyn Watkins and Saniya Fagan. Uh, you start Watkins and Fagan or Watkins and Kids last night. Uh, Kids answers the bell, career high on blocks. She had five last night. Watkins has started three games now. he has got two double doubles. I think the main thing you worry about, you know, all three can play well. You know, all three. I think Dom was talking last night I got a quote on my Twitter um, about how well Watkins and Kitts kind of defend together, kind of kind of work off each other. The foul situation, just the general rotation, you just don't have enough bodies for foul trouble. And if it's a tightly officiated game, if one of those three bigs gets too early, anything like that. Uh Yukon's not super deep either. They only go eight or nine usually as well, but you just don't have the depth in your front court right now. I think you're gonna take some shots, is I guess what I'm getting at. I don't know if you can just count on dominating inside the way you normally would Sunday. Uh you're gonna need a big Full Wiley game, a big pal game. Raven Johnson was big last year against UConn. You're gonna need that again, I think.
0: I was about to say one, I guess, positive uh is we saw Fulwale get uh one of his one of her biggest uh like amount of minutes uh of the season last night and she came through. nineteen points, yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Um so I mean they may look a little different, uh, but I think that they are set up in a way to win games in multiple ways. Maybe even more so than they were last season. Obviously, uh, I don't think that they are quite as dominant <laughs> as they were last season, which is something that we we've talked about throughout this season. But um, it does seem like they at least have more pivot options if the uh, more you know interior bang around style isn't working for them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think they got to try to run UConn off the floor. Honestly, just kind of the way I set up this game and what UConn does well. And I do think UConn's going to have Aaliyah Edwards is still really good. I think she put twenty five on South Carolina in that game up there last year. It's going to be tough and say, but I don't think it's you know infallible or impossible there. But they're going to have to run them off the floor. I think transitions key. This is a game where you need this. Everything we talked about, right? Speed, faster. Uh, getting up and down, all the things that are different about this team. I think this is kind of the spot where you have to flex it a little bit.
0: Yeah, looking forward to that. So that's uh, Sunday afternoon. We'll have full coverage um, on every game. If you're early after. to your
1: Super Bowl party, you know, just hang out, watch Seth go to UConn and roll right into a
0: Debo Samuel Super Bowl. <laughs> I think that sounds like a great Sunday. Um, yeah, so check that out on GameCoxScoop.com. We will have a live thread for premium subscribers like we do for every... Uh, major sporting event for south carolina um let's talk a little bit of football so late last night actually during the the women's, the women's basketball game, game yep. um there was a couple of rumors on twitter uh and then some sources from some of the national writers like brent murphy that justin step was going to uh illinois to be wide receiver coach then they all uh, announced the school themselves announced it a little bit later. Uh, we have an article up on the site If you want to go check out a little bit more about that I actually spoke with, um, the Illinois rival site last night and gave them a quick interview of kind of what to expect with step. Um, seems to me like this is pretty cut and dry. He didn't really want to coach tight ends and he is now coaching wide receivers at Illinois. He had a, a, t- a couple of ties there from the past. Um, we were talking about this a little bit uh, on text last night like it's this is a tough one I think because I think Justin Stepp is a very talented coach I think the fan base really likes him obviously he's a south he's got south carolina ties played a furman um and he without a doubt uh, I think has a lot of skills in developing wide receivers I mean you look at some of the names uh, in his history you got Traylon Burks, um obviously Xavier Legate he developed into Courtland Sutton, a, a, yeah exactly uh Xavier Leggett we're expecting to be a day two draft pick this year or, or around there um so I mean it's really tough because I think you're losing someone that's really good at developing players has good relationship with players I see him still tweeting at Cortland Sutton Sutland and uh um some other NFL guys Jalen Brooks yeah the Cowboys that he kind of developed um so I, I think from that standpoint it's a loss I also think, from a recruiting standpoint, it just never quite got his feet under him here, which is kind of surprising because yeah. he 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 had a good history of recruiting heading into here. Um, I, as so, as someone that follows it pretty closely, like there was almost always a, a circumstance or like a narrative that I could have painted for why they finished second for this kid or another. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't like he was completely whiffing all the time. They were finishing second very often, um, and then I think he maybe landed his best high school class this past season with uh, Bennett, there? Bennett and, yeah. and debron gatling who was an under armor all-american um y- you also can't discount what he's done in the portal he's found some good talent in the portal uh developed those guys as well antoine wells obviously being the most notable um i guess yeah what, what's your take here what's how big of a loss is this obviously we'll have a little bit better uh idea of that once they named the tight end coach um, but it seems like this really gets set in motion when uh, Beamer went out and got James Coley do you think that that trade-off is worth it maybe too early to tell
1: I think for that part of the question yes because you don't know who's replacing step I think mean, that's just kind of got to start there like right now you're down on assistant coach again I think the bigger takeaway almost not so much with the step thing is that you know one way or another. Last year doesn't go the way you want it to go. You finish five and seven. Shane Beamer, you know, does what all coaches do. Talks about that's unacceptable. We got to make changes and not entirely from him, pretty much just Monterey Hardesty from him, but Jody Wright's gone. Um, Justin Stepp's gone. Pete Lembo's gone. You're turning over pretty much half your staff in one off season. It's four out of 10 assistants once they hire a new tight ends coach. And that's not normal. That doesn't usually happen when you don't replace a head coach or even a coordinator. Well, I guess you play special teams coordinator, but, You're turning over half a coaching staff in one offseason. I don't know if that's good or bad. I think there's a way to go about that where it can be good, just from a shakeup perspective after last year. But that's what I can't get away from, especially on offense. You're going into next year with a new running backs coach, a new receivers coach, and a new tight ends coach.
0: Yeah, although at the same time, I think you could say – the running back recruiting and the wide receiver recruiting. Oh yeah, really, I think that yeah.
1: I think we talked about the Monterio move already, and even before the move was made, that kind of needed to happen. Um, it's just different, and I, it's you're you're not going to have returns on that obviously for at least a year in a recruiting cycle, but even just in general how it looks on the field and practice, how players respond, it's it's half a staff, man. Like that's that's not nothing or almost half. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we've seen uh, that throughout uh, Beamer's time here, he doesn't seem to throw assistants under the bus and straight up fire them. Um, He kind of helps them or encourages them to look elsewhere. Um, I don't know how much I mean, I I think you were trying to hold on to Limbo. I think you probably were hoping to hold on to Step, but you felt like Coley was a trade up. So you went and got him. And if Step wanted to stay in Coach ends, you would have been happy about it. But Obviously, he didn't. Um, so, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, I guess, his style there. It doesn't seem like it's going to change. It's been this way for the last several years. You know, I think he probably intentionally was looking for a different offensive coordinator for yeah. one reason or another last year and uh, waited until um, like Satterfield uh, was able to find a job Yeah, like
1: mid-December, that hire ends up happening. Yeah, that will... so,
0: you know, this is kind of following some of those same trends. I don't think it's a bad thing that the coaching staff is shaking up, but I do think it's going to be interesting how it, how it all plays out. And I, I do think if James Coley comes in and, you know, locks down some stud 2025 wide receivers, it's very quickly gonna, um, be smoothed over. That's, I think that's the whole thing. I think you can, we've talked about it with pretty
1: much everything. Um, whether it's, you know, the find some joy or whatever, but winning solves everything. People don't like it when you're losing. No one's going to care about four assistants changing if you go eight and four this fall and be clemson and get like, I think that's just kind of what it is. I know that's a cop out answer. It's maybe not what people want to hear in February, but if you land recruits and you start winning games, no one's going to care. And if not, it's going to look like it's going to look like a mess. But um, we'll see who the tight ends coach is. And like, I think you go from there.
0: Yeah. At the same time, I do understand uh, if there's anyone in the fan base today that's a little bit sad about it. I think I I'm I fall in that camp a little bit. Um, I mean, he, Justin Stebb won the Brewers award what five years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Um, I think he's a talented guy. Uh, I think he's still got a a lot of ceiling left in his coaching career ahead of him. Um, unfortunately, it's just it just didn't work out here uh, for a myriad of reasons, but. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the other shakeups on uh, South Carolina's team heading into 2024. So we, yesterday you got to meet in like a gaggle format with a bun- every transfer pretty much uh, that's coming into the program. Uh, if you're not sure who all that is, we have a helpful link on GameClocksGroup.com. If you go to the transfers page, you can see all of that. We've also been slowly doing... Uh, film rooms on each of those. Perry McCarty has been doing a good job. Yeah, I got Rose, a good one on Jawan Howell, the running back from South Carolina State, up this morning if you're subscribed. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and then, like I said, for premium subscribers, I'm going to have every minute of all of those interviews posted uh, later today. That's like 50 minutes of content, so enjoy that. But let's uh, go through a couple of these that I thought were a little bit notable. Um, I have a couple of clips here and there. So um, the first one is from Pitt linebacker, Bengali... Kamara um let me share this real quick I just like uploaded it as a video but it's not going to show anything so if you're watching in video format uh, just use your ears. podcasting is a visual medium as I always say <laughs> um anyway so Bengali Kamara on uh I guess how he arrived here and and a lot of what we're going to talk about I think is at least defensively is the scheme going into next year uh which he hits on a little bit too so here you go
1: being that we switched schemes and personnel and stuff like that, that's obviously interesting because of uh, how much speed we have on the defense. So we, it, it was definitely intriguing to see the 3-3. Three three. I ran some of that at Pitt, so Hit. it was it was nice. What do you like about the three-three-five? What does that kind of do for your game? Uh, Just help with uh packages, you know, being able to blitz different areas, being able to rush oh. the pass, which I feel like I can help in. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: All right, so that was Bengali Kamara talking a little bit about how he might fit into uh, the 335. I know uh, we're going to listen a little bit more later from Monkel Goodwine. Goodwin, do you know, do you know how to say it? I believe it's Goodwine. Goodwine from Alabama, who also yeah. talks a little bit about being able to do both. Um, it seems like, and and this was one of the things that uh, we kind of talked about beforehand, of like, what do, what do we want to ask? We were trying to kind of suss out like, did they there's 20 guys, guys here for- we
1: can't we can't interview everybody about everything let's make some notes here
0: <laughs> right i mean and we were trying to figure out like did they recruit these guys with the idea that they're going to be right. running the 335 uh or keep doing the multiple thing that they did this past year where they're kind of 425335 depending on the scenario right now it sounds like the latter right is that yeah. what you gathered
1: i kind of got that too and again we're five weeks away from the first day of spring practice. They're not even allowed on the field right now. So take everything with a grain of salt, of course, this time of year. But I don't I don't know if there's a no world where they just completely ditch the 4-2-5. That's been Clayton White's thing since he got here. Um, I just don't see a scenario where it just makes sense to completely get rid of that. But also, you'd be foolish to watch the last four, four and a half games of last year what they did in the three three five and just get rid of that, especially with Bam Martin Scott back, who you kind of think is a centerpiece of that.
0: Yeah, well, and I think th- when we look at the portal and, and some of these guys that we're talking about, including Kamara, um, they picked up even more talent in that linebacker room. Uh, they got some big boys to play that like sort of hybrid DT DE yep. uh, outside lineman, uh, including Goodwine, who who we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um to me it seems like they're setting up on on running it a little bit more. I mean that's I'm kind of with you, but I don't think you're going to completely just chuck the the 425 in the garbage can. No, why would you especially if you already have a lot of uh, guys in the yeah. building that know what they're doing uh there just makes you more multiple, which I think is is always a good thing. Um but in general, I I feel like really cautiously optimistic about the front 7 or so. Um front 6 7 depending on what scheme they're in. Um, and Kamara, I think plays a, plays a pretty big role there. Um, another thing that I, that he talked a little bit about was just like, if you haven't seen him play before, what to expect and, uh, his pass rushing ability, I think is is something that's going to be a big deal here. And, and really in general, I think that's something that the staff tried to emphasize in the portal, because that's not something that was a strength for you really over the last two seasons, uh, but especially last year, um. So, I mean, we're going to talk about Edmund here in a little bit, um, but the 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 mixture between your defensive end talent, obviously Dylan Stewart coming in as well, um, and your uh, new linebacker talent with what's coming back, I think it's not crazy to think that you're going to have a better pass rush this coming year.
1: I think you should, you should expect to. Um... It's, I'm not obviously not saying it's going to be easy, but like I said, adding a five-star talent, even as a true freshman, that does significantly change the way you feel about things, I, at least in my opinion. Um, Gilbert Edmond back, we know what we're going to talk about in a second. Very experienced pass rusher, and obviously, I guess doesn't know the 3-3-5, but knows the 4-2-5, knows Clayton White's kind of what his defense is about. Um, and Kyle Kennard, who uh, we talked to for a little bit yesterday, too. I think that's going to be a, a decent add to this group,
0: too, coming in from Georgia Tech. I agree. Um, so I'm going to let two clips play back to back. Uh, the first one is buddy Mac and it's more just like a nice, uh, stroll down memory lane for those of <laughs> you, uh, th- thinking about better times here in February, 2024, uh, for Gamecock football. Um, cause he talked about how he grew up a South Carolina fan, uh, and, uh, was that a game that I was actually at, which was, a uh, 20, 20- a game y'all will play. like. We'll just yeah. let, the, we'll let the clip run. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I'm just gonna let it play right into Edmund, so we can talk a little bit more yeah. defense. But I did think you guys would enjoy the the Buddy Mac clip. So, um, and by the way, Buddy Mac, that's the safety out of pit. Uh, I believe technically a preferred walk on. We'll see. You know, they listed him as a DB
1: on or. his like little note card or whatever they had
0: there yesterday. But
1: I'm under the impression he can also play safety. Yeah. So here's that. To the quarterback and get TFLs,
0: you know? We want to stop the run. The Clemson game, it wasn't here. It wasn't here. It was Ed Clemson, actually. Yeah. More
1: Clowney had, like, four or five sacks. And DJ Swearinger hit. Yeah, Alton. you were in that game? Yes, sir. Nice. That's pretty cool. um this is kind of a dream come true for you then. That- yes, sir. Great.
0: I think I just – I reached out to um my position coach, and then I think he talked to Beamer about it, and, thought, and he just – Spoke about like, you know, what I'm saying the process of how everything will go and stuff like that, and just where where my head at, and
1: where his head at. Has just, it that's been about what you expected coming back. Um, it's been even
0: it's been even better, you know. what I'm saying it's just uh, the guys that we have on this team, just being with them the last couple of weeks, seeing the yeah. type of athletes and the type of competitors they are, it's been a joy. What did you? Yeah, um, you know. Last- All right, so that was Gilbert Edmund talking a little bit about his uh, tangled path. Back to south carolina i think um i mean you talked a little bit more yeah that was one of the longer interviews so uh, yeah, that's a good there one there was to a check lot of interest later. in understandably uh, so yeah that's a good one to check out later if you're a premium subscriber and all but um yeah what was your take i guess on uh his journey away his journey back i know that's kind of a, a weird scenario but it seems like uh handled it very maturely and i know that that's something that beamer talked about uh whenever he was reintroducing him was like he he did it the right way, um, and in this like transfer portal era, I don't know. Maybe this is gonna this is gonna happen sometimes, and this is why you don't burn bridges and relationships uh, on either side. Of you if you're the coach or if you're the player.
1: Yeah, I think what you or yeah, what you just said lines up with my take. There is which is that his story, his retelling of events. You know, we were kind of asking him yesterday how this all came together. Very much matched up with what Shane Beamer told us a couple weeks ago um, that he kind of left for personal reasons, family in Florida, um, all that stuff, but he just didn't feel right. He wanted to come back. Um, I thought him saying that South Carolina was better than he remembered. It was interesting just because um, obviously last year didn't go the way anybody wanted it to. And he was coming off of a very good year at South Carolina at eight and 14, eight and five, I guess, with the bowl game. But yeah, I think that kind of is speaking to what you said. And also he said what Beamer said that, It wasn't a a surefire thing. Shane didn't just like say, come back. Like someone asked him, um, I think the question was like, did you have a moment where you told your teammates? And he said, well, some of them already knew because Shane talked to all the team leaders first before they were going to let me back. So I talked to some of them and, or some of them already knew before I told them and the rest of them I was able to tell, which I thought was interesting.
0: Yeah, I I also found that comment about um, the team looking better or stronger or whatever it was. Uh, than when he left interesting and i think i agree um uh, like even though obviously record wise uh that 2022 season went very well um especially with the way that it ended um i think from a depth and across the board talent standpoint uh you're probably better off right now uh, in february 2024 than you were december 2022 or whatever um maybe it's still you know yet to be determined if you have some of those uh, impact guys if you if uh lenora sellers is gonna step up and be as good as rattler became um if you're gonna have a clear wide receiver one this year uh, you know i think that there are still gaps and and obviously there's gonna be another portal period as well as well but um i don't know i don't what do you think do you disagree with this assessment
1: I, I, I'm not entirely sure. Cause I think you did have more NFL talent on that 2022 team between, especially on the defense, Cam Smith, Darius rush right there to start at corner. Um, Zach Pickens in the middle. I'm going to say no, because I think he had more high end talent, but I think the depth right now is much better than when Gil Rebitt left. He still had a lot of the, the must champ players who were still kind of cycling through the program in 2022. i just kind of sitting on the fence
0: of that answer, but. No, that's that's a good point. I think that maybe the upside mm-hmm. isn't quite as high, but the the stability might be a little higher.
1: Yeah,
0: um, let's. Uh, should we get uh, to Lenora
1: Sellers or the quarterback battle? Speaking of, you're just what you're well, just, a, just talking about. I have about. a
0: couple. I have a couple okay. more before that. Um, oh, right. Jared, Jared Brown uh, was next up. That's speaking of uh, who is our wide receiver one? Um, that would be my early guess unless Nicole, Nicholas Harbor uh, takes a huge step forward or something. Um, so that's Coastal Carolina wide receiver Jared Brown and here's what he had to say. Oh, I didn't share my screen. So all <laughs> I'm, he's just playing in my ears right now. Um, here we go. Sorry about that. So yeah, um, obviously leading wide receiver for the Chanticleers last year, um, I think has a lot of upside even at the next level and here's Jared Brown. Coastal, uh, uh, we, we did move around a lot.
1: Uh, we, we moved myself in the slot and outside, you know, different places. So Coach Logan said that he could do some of the same things. So, you know, that's something I want to come in.
0: Yeah, so I, I thought that that was kind of interesting, um, a little insight on how they might use Jared Brown. Uh, like you said, he was kind of a multiple guy at Coastal. Played outside, played inside. He's he's kind of a tweener body type wise too. You know, like five eleven, six foot. Um, you know, one one eighty, one ninety. Uh, pretty fast, but not like track speed. Um, but just like a really solid receiver all around, and um, I could see him kind of developing into that like first read go to. It's third and seven. Who am I looking for? I'm looking for Jared Brown sort of guy.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to say that about the height because I think that's kind of my takeaway with this receiver room I'm starting to look around a little bit. Jared Brown's five nine. Uh, Gage Larvadane, the receiver from Miami, Ohio, who I also talked to for quite a bit actually, he was a pretty good interview, with um, us to be in there for subscribers. He's five ten. Um, I'm blanking what Amari Huggins, Bruce is right now now, but
0: he's around five um, eleven. So
1: yeah, yeah you're going to have one of the shorter receiving groups in the SEC, I think. I mean, other than Harbor, obviously, he's got the size and the frame, which is just kind of different. Like, you don't really have a, a jump ball receiver. You don't really have a guy you'd expect to high point the ball, maybe. Um, you're going to have to kind of do it a little bit differently. Uh, and it can work. But I think it's just interesting, the kind of the body types and kind of what this receiver room is kind of trended into, whether that was on purpose or not.
0: Yeah, and I, it can work. But I agree that it, it uh, it's going to require some scheming and it's going to require yeah. some – accuracy from Lenoris Sellers, um, which if there was one thing that I guess I would have said was something he struggled with a little bit in high school, it was uh, that accuracy. I mean, he throws a beautiful deep ball. It was more the intermediate stuff. But um, So that will be interesting. I think he's developed that over time, at least a little bit that we've seen. Um, So maybe it won't even be as much of an issue. But um, I think you can definitely make it work but you don't have the xavier Leggett that you can just like chuck it up to and you know yep. he's probably going to come down with it uh unless nicholas harbour realizes that he's 65 uh 225 <laughs> and starts using his body that way which i think is definitely a possibility um by the way he's uh crushing it in track right now i don't know yeah. if he- seen any of that stuff but uh, he just ran a personal best last weekend finished like third in the 200 or something Mm -hmm. uh, as a true freshman pretty pretty impressive stuff Um, all right one more uh, before we get to the quarterback I I did have a little bit from Monkel Goodwine um, just to kind of finish up that defensive front conversation those of you that don't know who that this is um, he was at Alabama and didn't really get on the field a ton but we when we were breaking down I guess the addition of him Seems like a lot of upside. Still a young guy, um, and I don't know if Bama wants you. You probably have some talent in there somewhere. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's hear what he had to say about the scheme and and how he uh, fits into it.
1: You guys played four two five and three three five last year. What did you see on tape from South Carolina? What where do you think you kind of fit
0: in here? Uh, I feel like playing and D tackle for these guys, especially, you know, last year, they really had too much depth. Uh, I think that I can bring more depth to to the d Uh
1: to D-line with me at DeAndre Jules that's coming in. Uh, we've been working real
0: hard, and, you know, I, I just feel like we can make a huge impact on, you know, just rotating in and off the field. So.
1: I know you're not on the field for another five, six weeks, but do you feel more comfortable in a, in a three-down lineman or a four? For you specifically?
0: Uh, to be honest, with you, I'm comfortable with anything. You know, I can do it all uh, – And then if we got to do three, three down three linemen, four down three linemen, then then I'm down it.
1: How would you describe your game? If someone hadn't watched before, how would you describe yourself as a player?
0: Uh, I feel like I'm really good at the run game. Run game and pass rush. Uh, You know, whenever I get the opportunity on a one-on-one, I feel like I'm one-on-one. All right. Well, if you're a South Carolina fan, uh, you certainly are encouraged by his confidence, right? <laughs> um, uh, it it's, it sounds like he, he believes that uh, he can come in and make a. a I want to start this impact. with a
1: question for you. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but is with well, you know speaking of good wine, is defensive tackle the deepest group on the roster position wise? Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. I think it uh, probably was before the portal period, and then I think you added some really solid pieces. Uh, Goodwine, he mentioned uh, DeAndre Jules, um, and and even some of the the outside pieces like Canard and and Edmund. If you are playing three through five, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes, I think I think so. Um, the question is just, I don't know. I think figuring out the rotation is going to be kind of a big That's, challenge, especially if you are um, playing that three three five. Yeah, because um, there's only Tonka, Boogie, and TJ all back. Yeah, there's only so many. I guess, uh, mouths the feed as, in terms of people that can make an impact. Also, I think, though, if you look at the uh, like scholarship breakdown, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that you just mentioned are nearing the end of their eligibility. You signed a couple guys that have quite a few years of eligibility left. So if you can convince them to kind of buy into to the system and, and take a year to, to sit and learn and get a few snaps per game or whatever, I think you're kind of set up for the future as well. Yeah,
1: I agree there. I, I think you really like the look of that. If there's one position group you feel – I don't want to even say like perfect about because all these guys can improve. Um, you weren't the best run stopping team of the country or something. But you've got enough bodies there and you've got enough, especially college football experience there, um, to feel pretty good about your D tackles.
0: Let's finish up our uh, discussion on some of these transfer guys with quarterback. So Robbie Ashford, obviously one of the last additions – uh, in the class out of out of Auburn, we were kind of wondering how they were going to um, thread the needle between not upsetting Lenora Sellers, who is probably the presumed starter, but also bringing in some depth because you really didn't have any after the departures of some other guys. So uh, let's listen to uh, what Astrid's mindset was uh, as he's coming into South Carolina. I said, I had a lot of schools
1: that, hey, you can come here and be be the guy day one. I mean, from the time you step on, but I didn't want that. I didn't want anything handed to me. And just just from watching the film, d Love put up and just the things he does, I mean, there's certain things that he showed me on my visit that I've never seen in my life. And just to see that, I'm like, man, that's crazy. Like, and it's some of the greats doing it. And I'm like, I've never, never thought of this, never been told this. So it's just little things like that. I mean, it just shows great development. Just, just to see how dispenser development too from 2022 to 2023, just what he's doing now, I mean, that's a credit to DLO and to him. I mean, it just shows DLO knows what he's doing. I mean, he's one of the best in the business. So.
0: All right, and that was Robbie Ashford talking a little bit about D'Lo, who is uh, D- uh, Dowell Loggins, of course, offensive coordinator. Um, he kind of brought up a point that I don't think that we've talked enough about, which is Rattler's development from uh, 2022, yep. who, where he had a, a pretty good season um, to 2023, and, and how much of that uh, is due to Loggins' Uh, and his tutelage and his scheme. Um, what do you think is is, is it, it, what was that the difference uh, in Rattler having like a okay season with some pretty big wins to one of the most uh, significant statistical seasons in Gamecock history last year?
1: I think it obviously it goes both ways. It goes to Rattler, but also for sure goes to Dowell Loggins. You look at his track record with quarterbacks, his NFL time um, was with KJ Jefferson in Arkansas too. He got better when he was uh, with Loggins. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said there. I think the way, not, not just Robbie Ashford talked about him, but the way recruits talk about him, the you know the way you know Dante Reno's talked about logins. I know with you a couple times on our website. Um, I think it absolutely plays, and I think it. You're right; it probably should be discussed more. And it sounds like that's kind of what Robbie Ashford wanted to come to South Carolina for. I, I wrote about the quarterback situation in general. got some comments from players on both Lenoris and Robbie yesterday. It's on the website if you're subscribed, but there's one quote in there. I won't spoil it. You should go read it about Ashford kind of and development specifically and why that was important to him.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned uh, KJ Jefferson. I mean, now between Sellers and Ashford, I think you very much have that prototype (laughs) Um, and uh, you have some depth that can do some of those similar things. Maybe, maybe not to that level. I I think it's too early to say uh, one way or another, but um, I I don't know. I think you, you should, again, it's another one of those, like be cautiously optimistic. Uh, There's a lot of talent in that room. It sounds like uh, they're bought into logins and his vision. And if we're giving him credit for some of Rattler's development, maybe there's reasons to be optimistic that he can develop both of those guys and and make it work and honestly i think if he if his ideal is like a kj jefferson type that that the two he has now actually might fit that better than rattler even did yeah i think it's i think the ashford thing is so
1: interesting just because you look at you watch him you look at the numbers like obviously he can run obviously he's got yards he's throwing touchdowns the accuracy is just the one thing you look and go what doesn't make much sense um There's no way around it. He was at 49% for his college career, and that's over 22 games. That's not a small sample size with less than half your passes completed. Um, I don't, that kind of feels like a more extreme version of Lenora Sellers, right? Like we talked about his accuracy, like he just kind of feels like Sellers, but to the nth degree. And whether that's a good thing or not, I guess it's kind of up to Dowell Loggins in development. But um, I think that's the one thing that you can just get some accuracy there. You've got a very, very, someone who's going to genuinely push sellers for the job, not just here to make up the numbers.
0: No, I agree. And, and uh, you obviously have to have a, a better uh, completion percentage than 49% in the sec, but uh, it's hard not to salivate a little bit at the the numbers in 22 sec games. He's had 21 total touchdowns. Yep. Most of those on the ground, uh, 2,685 all purpose yards. Um, He's a he's a weapon. Uh, yeah. Maybe an unpolished weapon. Uh, maybe one that you <laughs> that you're uh, a little afraid of uh, handling, I guess. But um, could yeah. could be uh, could be a destructive one as well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Not just destructive is the wrong word uh, <laughs> because it implies negative. But it, for a weapon, you want a weapon to be destructive. So. I think at the
1: very least. Like, absolute minimum, and I would expect him to have more than this. He can be the Lenores role from last year where, like, it's third and two. We need to run for a first down.
0: You can bring a package in or goal line stuff. It very much feels like short yardage situation. Yeah. Uh, especially if you if Lenores is playing really well early on and you realize pretty quickly that you don't want that guy. You want to limit the amount of times that guy gets hit. Yep. Um, throw in the other 6'3 guy that's already proven that he can run against SEC defenses for sure um any other football notes i guess from yesterday like i said we'll have a few more articles on the site and i'm gonna have that full just like dump of interviews yeah uh, for premium subscribers on later. i think that
1: about covers the high points from football yesterday yeah, there's a lot of stuff from in those interviews if you're if you're if you're a junkie for football if you know the basketball or baseball doesn't do it for you you know you want to hear about some of these players stories behind their tattoos and what they like to eat and what they do away from football and. Some of them, what brought them to South, just all kinds of stuff in there from most of the transfers, uh, almost an hour worth of interviews, like Caleb said, if you're subscribed.
0: Yeah, and a lot of those are completely exclusive. The way that it yeah. worked yesterday, like some, there might be some other sites that were standing around at the same time as you were, but over the course of 20 different people or whatever you got- I'd say probably more name. than half of those were one-on-one interviews. Yeah, so you, you got some unique uh, uh, the quotes there. So definitely something to check out. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, Now's a great time to join um, right here in the offseason as we start to get cranked up towards spring ball. Uh, continue to talk about the two elite basketball programs that you have right now. And finally, baseball is starting next week next as week. well. Yeah. Um, pretty high expectations for them. Um, I know you uh, had a quick um, press conference with Mark Kingston earlier this week, there's been some scrimmages. Uh, any quick notes on that? We'll do a deep dive on baseball yeah. next week uh, as a little teaser for you guys. But any quick notes on where they're at right now, February ninth? Um, I I
1: still kind of generally side with this offense is going to be ridiculous. Like maybe the best in the country, uh, top five for sure. Like the power, the numbers we seen in the scrimmages, the depth. Um, they're gonna have too many hitters, so they're gonna have to rotate some guys, and it's not a bad problem to have, but um you're one or two pitchers developing away from something pretty special here everybody can say healthy but that's a big if
0: do you feel like that those pitchers exist on the roster or is it just gonna be you're gonna have to outscore some teams i i kind of lean towards the second but also i haven't seen enough of all the transfers yet you have a lot of new arms especially the bullpen
1: um i think it's going to take some time through non-con play to figure out what roles are best um But you got Eli Jones and Matthew Becker back, plus Roman Kimball. So I think that's three starters right there you feel pretty good about, assuming Kimball gets fully back from the Tommy John and get into game
0: action, which he's on track to do. Yeah, and we still sort of feel like Kingston's on the warmish seat. I I would call it warm,
1: just the way the buyout went, how they didn't. I have have a big baseball preview coming if you're subscribed. It's a two-parter, maybe like Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday next week. But I talk about that a little bit in there too, so – if you're not subscribed you get my thoughts on that situation too If you
0: hit the button <laughs> like I said, now, now's the time this is yeah this is where it comes um yeah i mean just a quick note on that i guess like there's a bunch of gamecock sites out there they're all great we love them um some people have really big bloated staffs we don't have that but i think we make a uh, we make up for it in quality on gamecock.com yeah. so uh definitely Add us to our our rotation if you never checked us out. All right. uh, We'll be back here next week uh, for the com podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you.